I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome everybody to our brand new podcast. It's the first time we really get to do something like this where we're sitting back in a more official manner and we're talking about the latest news and I guess the, the memory, the drama and whatever there is in between in Rainbow Six right now. And this is gonna be a lot of fun. Of course, big thanks to Predator Gaming who sponsor the podcast and make it all happen for our first episode. Keep in mind, this might just be our pilot to see how it all goes, what you guys think about the topics that we have, maybe you'd have some ideas of, hey, I'd love to see this pro or this coach or this personality joining us and having a chat about what they think about our success sports and the future of Rainbow Six. I guess not really as always, but kind of I'm your host, Mirosh the Medic. With me on the podcast today are my good buddies and guests that will be flying home in just a bit. Yeah. It's Des and Ace. Friends, how are you doing? Can we just not talk and let Milos carry on? Because it's like right. some really magical ASMR in my ears. That whole intro was like, oh. So smooth. I felt so relaxed. Yeah. I came in like buzz for this and you've got me super like, whoa. That was the prep the phase. That was the prep phase. I mean, this <laughs> is the prep phase. And we are in the prep phase of the prep phase. Mm. So, gents, did you get some sl good sleep after last night's EUL? Yeah, this is when we're recording this. It was about 3 a.m. by the time I got to sleep, <laughs> yeah, to be fair. It was uh, it was a pretty exciting finish overall. You know, mm. it was it was right down to the wire. It was down to game four before we had answers. It was it was an amazing night. Mm. And that's part of, obviously, the reason why we're here today, to talk about the fallout from that EUL day and how things all went down. Uh, for now, the confirmed four teams. Uh, APAC is playing, I guess, right now in seeding to see who actually gets in one spot at uh, what spot but uh bunny on this will pretty much know exactly how it all goes but we already know the four teams that are making it from all the regions so that's what we're really going to be working with so to break down the na major our first major since invitational 2020 that was two years and three months ago mm. last time we had a venue with people human beings, legitimate people that are sitting in the stands watching the event unfold. I'm very excited to see how it all kind of comes down in Charlotte, North Carolina in just well, a few days by the time this comes out. Um, and to talk about all the regions, we kind of want to go through them one by one is a good friend of uh, the show. I really want to get the ball wrong. Like, oh, good friend of the show. You know, <laughs> it's it's, of course, Heroics Manager, I'd love to say. It's Murat, Mr. Officer. Good morning, my friend. How are you doing? Thank you so much, lads. I'm, I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me. How are you guys? I mean, we're exciting. We're, we're excited. We were watching you in the team yesterday and all through the past few weeks. And you're like, yeah, we're going to be number one. Okay, got clipped and shipped on social media saying, you know what? We'll come back to that. We'll revisit this after Murat on day one says we want to be number one. 
and indeed heroic is number one i want to use that to get into the teams that made it through from eu league first we have our four confirmed teams from eul we had it yesterday we got g2 that snaked their way through with fraud lamau lfo we want to be spicy as well <laughs> lfo that made it through of course their ex vitality squad that are looking for org Hopefully tim had a great name for them if they did give it away yesterday looking for throw would have been great honestly they they did their job close they got it done they got it done no throws inside mowgli the magician works his magic once again that is that is true and bds of course that make it at second despite a very turbulent few months and heroic so let's talk about heroic first mr officer meteoric rise now last year when you guys were still known as kovana you were supposed to make it to the may major but of course invitational 2021 happened and you weren't part of it because i mean you weren't part of the system in the day so how does it feel to like go to your first major play on land with an audience for this big kind of debut of the team uh extremely extremely good obviously um first season for us we made top three so we were really excited for going to a major but unfortunately you know corona was a thing and still is so um it was a bit a uh, bit harsh not uh, being able to do that uh, we feel we feel also that we lost the opportunity to get some experience um playing online it's uh, quite different from uh, from playing online so uh, but yeah shit happens in mm -hmm. it and uh, we got robbed of our six invitational spot by the organization that we're representing right now so uh you know, shout out to Elgi <laughs> So I mean, it, it's a bit uh, romantic, isn't it? So um, uh, it is what it is. But yeah, we're extremely happy this time around. We feel that we have found a balance that we haven't had hmm. uh, in a while. Um, I mentioned it a bit on the interview uh, yesterday that uh, we have something called heroic standard that uh, doesn't only focus on the players getting better at the game or focusing on them as humans. Mm -hmm. um, so everything that has to do with growing someone up in a professional environment. So every so we have like the, the, the player side, which I also explained of Anarchic and Davil doing an amazing job. And then you have like the performance side where I come in, but also the manager side where we're providing them with everything they need. We also focus on them when it comes to content and how to build a profile and whatnot, because mm -hmm. let's be honest, that's a part of part of being in this professional environment. So we're giving them the full package, if that makes sense, because we believe that if you're going to maintain a certain standard and, um, and consistency, you need to allow every part of these things coming your way, because if not, um, you will always be, you know, like, let's be honest, players want to play this game just to play yeah. it and have fun. But that's not that's not how it works. So the sooner you get used to that and accept that, the sooner you become like a full package mm -hmm. of uh, uh, in the system. So that is what we're trying to do at Heroic. And it, it looks good so far. I mean, competing is what a third of what you do as a player if mm. you're looking at, you know, long-term sustainability. But you talk about package, Murat. BDS, LFO, and G2, of course, join Heroic um, at the Major to represent EU. That, let's be honest, does Ace, you've watched it over the past couple of years, EU's kind of sucked. Let's, yeah. let's be fair. We sucked internationally. <laughs> we we need the boost outside of some individual performances here and there. It wasn't really great. So do you feel that anyone of BSLFO or G2 can carry the torch forward? If I'm honest right now, I don't think so. 
I think BDS are kind of, and they have been for the longest time, like this team that domestically finishes first and second, but just could not deliver the goods internationally. I always talk about still being haunted by SI 2021's game in Oregon against TSM. Yep. To this day, I'm still just like, I can't get it out of my head. It was just a really bad game. And for all, you know, LFO are going through right now, they've got to find themselves a new org. For example, Mowgli has done a lot of the legwork for them this stage, P4 as well. Mm -hmm. So two teams there that are kind of figuring things out. And then you go to G2, who are the definition of still figuring things out. So for me, Heroic right now are the flag bearers. They're the ones that are kind of at the front saying, look, we've got consistency. We've got that team play. We've got this structure like Maratrafam referred to as well. The other three, they've still got a lot of work to do, I think, to really form in a way. It's not at all to say they'll go there and all get grouped, but I just don't think you're going to see a super solid performance that's going to drag them towards a final, for example. I completely... I agree with most of that. Um, I particularly agree with the elements about Heroic. I think they probably are. Um, you know, they've finished number one in EU. I think they probably are the most promising team at the minute. They're, they're mm. proving the most difficult to beat. The, the hope that I've got is for BDS, and I know everybody's going to roll their eyes and it's going to be BDS, don't take it, but the hope that I've got for BDS is we constantly see them come into these lands that they struggle at having come in really hot mm. doing really well beating everybody and then they just don't deliver the same when they get to the land I'm sort of hopeful saying? that they come in with a different trajectory this time where they've struggled a little bit they've got a bit of adversity to face coming in and I'm just hopeful that they actually hit form at the right time this time can, like, can you check his temperature how high on copium okay. give it are you give it a right now they are yeah, they are still <laughs> a doctor we need to get him checked they are still a quality out fit no matter which way you look at it and I just hope that we see them have that slightly different trajectory. The team that I'd refer to, not immediately right now at the minute, but NIP I've seen them do it a few times where they just have a terrible end to a stage, they have a terrible and then they'll come into the Copper Elite 6 and just roll everybody and they just hit form at the right time and NIP were a very good team at doing that at just turning up and delivering when they needed to and I'm hoping that's what BDS have got this time, they've got a few good performances in the tank ready to go and they haven't wasted them in EUL so to speak, you know And I mean, look at the game. maybe we G2. get something out of them look at the game against G2 yesterday, exactly that was that. like that was old BDS. What a better way that you could finish EUL than smashing G2 7-1, ready to go into the major. There's just a little glimmer of hope for me there. A little. It, it definitely was a surprise uh, because we're looking at, oh my God, you think BDS G2, no matter what form of G2, it's always kind of game that people will look at and say, I want to watch this. I don't see what's up. This is going to be a hot one. And then it... <laughs> It was I mean, the mildest Citizen game. had his only bad game of the entire stage where he didn't go positive on KD. His and he's, only game. Didn't he still top the team with I that? I think he came to the second <laughs> half like three and six or something and then got like nine kills in the next few rounds before they lost or something. It was ludicrous. So that that's what we got. That, that was Europe. Um, Europe hopes of winning the next major. On Heroic, which, yeah. Murat, if we're honest... No pressure, by the way, Murat. All if, on you guys. If we're honest, <laughs> Heroic untested on LAN. So even then... By what metric are we measuring this? I, I'm not like I'm not surprised that people would say, "Oh, can heroic actually make it?" Because playing online and on land and going from BO1 to BO3, it's a completely different beast. Yeah, it is. But uh, well, I'm obviously a bit biased when I when I speak not now. Enough. But yeah, also spitting also spitting the truth though. I think. Uh, one of our success factors, which will help us probably, uh, even if we're gonna play on stage, is that map pool for us isn't isn't the issue. 
we 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 can play all of the maps obviously like every other team we have a map here and there where we're not best mm -hmm. at but I, I think we we go into a best of three with uh, a high chance of winning that as well um that's one part of it another part is for us it's gonna be the typical things that you do expect at lawn right like the lightning hitting your eye and sound coming a little bit different and mm -hmm. you know obviously ping different will also um, will impact how it is even if it's better it, that doesn't mean it's better for you right you're so used to something and now it's a bit different so stuff like that so if we can adapt into that uh, i still think that we're gonna be a strong mm. team and a difficult team to beat uh, but at the same time uh, i see your points i think bds right now let's like if we take the eu eu teams uh, bds i agree that you know it's time for them to to show that you know they're they're not only an online team that they can do really good on offline as well but the thing is where i can compare my team you typically have like one really good fragger in a team then like a secondary that can help out a little bit but then loki it stops there um we have uh, created something like i don't know um we have uh, benjamin and sloth which is crazy so one guy having a bad day another one steps in but now we also have our joker which is uh, gorgona mm -hmm. which also is uh, able to frag mm -hmm. so potentially you have three good fraggers in a team and then two really good support uh, uh, players and i think we come out the strongest when it comes to that compared to the other eu teams um g2 obviously everyone was hoping for them to pop off and whatnot and to be fair i think people are being a bit harsh um g2 coming into this creating this super team and whatnot yeah for us being in the community we understand that doesn't happen overnight mm. uh, they need some time they need to land on their feet there's a lot of you know flashy names and whatnot but uh, if they if, if they're if they find a, a middle ground by being humble and just accepting the role that you're at and and uh, working towards that i think g2 is going to be an extremely good team and 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 uh, dangerous team for the future right now it's it's uh, it's normal like of course they're not going to be perfect immediately uh, bds i feel they have a bit to prove um to be completely honest, it wouldn't surprise me if, if they don't pop off uh, this major. It would surprise me if they don't do a change, to be completely mm. honest. Um, if you look at LFO, you mentioned it already. Uh, lacking an org is never easy. I think those guys have, you know, they're really playing <laughs> for an org right mm -hmm. now. And it shows. Uh, the thing with LFO, I feel, is that... Um, uh, I think one of you guys said it earlier in an interview. They're the most consistent, inconsistent team mm -hmm. ever. <laughs> Have and, been um, for three years. That, that's that's been a sticking point of me for the last like year and a half with them. Is it's up and down, up and down. Yeah. But I think I think uh, same with them. Um, I think they need to. I don't know, uh, not to step on anyone's feet out there, but they're so reliant on this aggressive play, and if it doesn't work, they crumble. So they need to find a balance between that. And then they're Gucci. I think EU as a region, yes, you said it. We haven't. Let's be honest. We we sucked. We, we F awesome. sucked. Yeah. Trash, garbage. We, we actually have. Like the last time EU was doing anything good. Fabian was, was a player G2 back then. It's era. it's 
it, yeah. it feels like it's forever ago and we need it back. And you talk about Heroic and your playstyle and all of that, how, how it's been. Somebody should have told Rogue yesterday about it. Maybe they would have, you know, not swung every single window and actually been able to make it to the major, but that's a question for another day. That's EU, and I kind of want to move on to North America, because in general, this year, the start of 2022 has had, in my opinion, having kind of been through most of the history of Rainbow Six, the, the one part of the history of Siege that has had so many newcomers in teams and players, no one not, and NA has Astralis, Oxygen, Dark Zero, and Exet that move through and represent the region what a time in the home life. field. <laughs> yeah, Sonic's at number eight out of 10. For all the trash talk that Super Ghost are on about on Twitter and on the subreddit and deleting every other tweet and post, it's not happened for this one. Take the rest, take the L for the stage, come back in it for all of it, exit, reformed, and go back in in the top four, Tim. The thing is with NAL, it's not just, and we obviously will focus on the teams that have made it, but the teams that haven't made it are almost just as important. It's You've insane. got TSM, Sonics, and SSG as three names there that haven't made it. Two of them world champions. Exactly. When does Bolo it's, play? Maybe, I don't know, he hasn't played stage two. Stage. Yeah. <laughs> stage, yeah, not in May. Um, you know, it's it, that that's half of the sort of wild story of NAL, but we've got to give credit where it's due. We've got to focus on teams like Astralis that have sort of come out of nowhere. X set you've picked up on Bodega's done a great job there coming in putting that team together a lot of work to be done there was a, a lot of back and forth on the timeline oh, beforehand about what was going to happen who was going to get where and ultimately you know they've shown it where it's counted they've put it on put the work in on the server and they've got the job done they've fourth place through to the major it's a really big start for Exit Mm. Yeah, and OXG make it through Dark Zero, that game that they had the last one between them and SSG that decided it all, Derry. That's a hell of a game to watch. It was. It was one of those games when I watched it back and I was just like, SSG surely don't lose this, right? Surely they don't, because they were ahead and I was like, oh, right. they this out, right? 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 It, it, just, it just doesn't all hold together sometimes that way. And it's a real big kind of step forward from where Dark Zero used to be, where they were, this almost, they were the team almost playing chess in Siege in the terms of our player can only do this when this is a legal move for us to make. They wouldn't be the type, kind of team to vault in a window and try and kill two or three people on a whim. That was kind of what Oxygen would do. They were kind of more of the... They were the most European NA team that we had last year. And I feel now they've got Newers and Dreaming, two really aggressive players and Newers. I, I keep calling him the North American Benjamaster because he's just that good. Those two, if they come together on LAN, Heroic versus Oxygen is already in my mind down as one of the yeah. best games if we get to see that matchup come true. But I think outside of those teams, you know, Adizi and Oxygen, the usual suspects, looking at Astralis and Exet, no one predicted yes. those two teams no. being in the top. No absolutely. One. Astralis, especially not number one. No, yeah, absolutely not. Honestly, Astralis probably coming out of nowhere for uh -huh. many people, including uh, NA talent that's kind of talking about them through the entire stage. Nobody would have predicted Astralis at the top. And there was so much shuffling happening through the stage between other teams in competition, like Mirage and Parabellum also had some of their moments, Beast Coast as well. So they kind of used that momentum to whack through a lot of the bigger teams in the region. So a big shuffle happening in North America. How, how long will this last? Maybe just this major and then everything will normalize, mm -hmm. as you would say. But 
within the chaos. I, so, I hope not. I, I completely agree with Sonic, you. Sonic's did start to sort of figure it out again towards the end. They sort of woke up a little bit. TSM are the one that I'm slightly worried about, which is really interesting because the one thing I really praised them for at SI the whole time was they had this thing that Murat was talking about, this front three that were just really good, you know, a Chi, Bolo and Merc. Mm. They could rotate around. If one was quiet, the other one would step in the gap and you had two backline players supporting them. I said it about Eminem coming in that we saw the kind of hints of that at SI. It didn't really hold true coming into the stage, but where they fell down, Heroic have been that team that have now got that trifecta at the front three who are just unstoppable. And if you get past them, you've got backline players and Uno and Grizzly who are really difficult to stop as well. Yeah. So it's, I'm not at all trying to be nice just because Morat sat there on a screen <laughs> a few meters away and I'm sure he'd reach through, reach through it and punch me if he got given the chance. No, genuinely, they're holding that structure that has so far proved to be the winning formula for teams around the world. Yeah, I mean, look, um, Space Station, oh, is it? We, we go back all the way to G2, mm -hmm. okay? G2 wins SI 2018, goes on the slump during the entirety of 2019. Okay, never recover from it. SSG win SI 2020, slump, Yeah, they did. recover, to some extent, not too shabby. NIP, SI21W, massive slump, mm -hmm. as we see to this day. TSM wins SI22. Massive slump. Massive slump. So I'm not saying that there is a pattern, but as humans, we are designed to look for patterns in things. And I think I see something coming out of it. And of course, NA will not be allowed to claim, hey, we have to deal with jet lag for this one. So there's one thing or the food or the, or the food or the food or the food <laughs> don't get started on that you, one you Jim. want high carbs and just protein all day or i say protein it's but it's great. mostly just fatty sausages all the all the day all i'm taking from all you're saying here is that you need to be advising heroic to never win si otherwise you will go into a slump there you go number two at si still rings you like what that's 300 free, grand right. anything else will cost you how much is it to, but, to be number two but, at si it's 300k not bad dude it's like a day of talent but, but here's the thing, I think I think what you touched upon there, it, it is a pattern and, and if it happens more than once, you know, it's not an accident anymore, is it? So I think I think you're into something. So the way I see it, and we already seen it with, with this roster, minus Uno, when you when you start to win, obviously, you know, it gets less and less uh, excited. Mm -hmm. If you win a major, if you win six invitational, whatnot, you made it, you know, you can't go above that. And I think that psychologically does something to a human. Let's be honest, you you get, okay. you know, ego comes into the picture, mm. you get more relaxed, you know, you don't have to play as hard anymore and whatnot. You've been there, you've done that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Now, is that a good attitude to have? Sure, it's not, but it's understandable if it happens. I think uh, for us, not that we did so goddamn great uh, during our first uh, season of Pro League, but we definitely, after split one, you know, we, we I, I could easily see the difference in the players that, hey, some of them are actually getting a bit mm -hmm. cocky, you know, time to knock them down. And I think the, re the way you do it is not yelling at your players and being an asshole, but you need to feed them with a different motivation, right? When you have a trophy and you're the best in the world and, you know, you get all of the things that you want, well, you need to fight for something else. And that something else doesn't necessarily need to be money or trophy or whatever. It could be an environment thing. It could be hey, we're fighting for a brotherhood, we're fighting for showing the respect for each other. Mm -hmm. It could be everything else than necessarily only the trophy. But if you can't find that, yeah, it's, it's difficult to stay consistent. Mm -hmm. Look at G2, for example, back in the days, like Penta G2. It, it's, it's crazy how long they were able to actually be the best in the world, if you think about it. It's not normal. No. It's really not normal. 
And um, I think that era is gone. You need people to push these young uh, players and people into the right direction. And if not, it's really easy to fall off that path. And you talk about young players. I think you're into something. You talk about young players. I think no region that really shows up in young players more is LATAM. Yep. which is the third region we're going to talk about out of the fancy that uh, <laughs> yeah great segues by the way uh, you can you, you think this is my job um, so the t- four teams that we have coming out of Copa Elite 6 because in uh, Brazil much or in LATAM I say Brazil it's a, kind of a fallout from the olden days but in LATAM much like in APAC for those that don't know you have three uh, sub-regions that have to play Brasileiro Suramericano and Mexicano so they all qualify teams into Copa Elite 6, which is the entire region. And from there, you compete and the top four will make it through to represent the region at the major. Now, the four teams that we have are Team Liquid, which honestly, massive, massive shout out to Team Liquid. Two players coming out of nowhere that nobody in you know Northern Hemisphere has ever heard of. They show up, rock the place at SI and keep it all rolling. W7M for us came out of nowhere also. Furia continue the run despite mm-hmm. saying okay you're expecting like face clan in the space maybe Furia sneaks at the end and then team one that had the team practically gutted after invitational and here they are now competing and within the top four tim you're a resident uh you know br6 slash copa elite six expert, expert I, re- oh I retired like, from that oh he, he was supposed to wear a Furia jersey kind of left it in the in the room next uh, next door but what what's up what's up with all this because liquid firing through with two players coming up that's insane to be number one in brazil liquid and what's happened over the last uh last couple of months with them is something for a few eul teams to look towards mm-hmm. um so teams that have had changes i'm thinking g2 particularly um you know Team Liquid have always been one of the best teams in the world, but they've had Asken resets come in. Um, you know, they've lost big parts of that roster and they've had to make changes. Now, they surprised us at Invitational. They did. I think it's fair to say. We weren't sure what to expect. Impressed. And they came out and they impressed us, but still fell a little bit short. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it's just because they needed more time. They've had a bit more time. I'm not saying the time is now. I'm not saying that they've had, you know, everything they need, but what you can see is the progress. You can see that this is a liquid team that is getting back to its best. It's qualifying easier. They've then gone on and won the Copper Elite Six. They, you know, they're sort of getting back on top in the region. Is it going to be time for them at LAN? Time will tell. But Ask and Resets both impressed last time around. Palo and Nas need absolutely no introduction. It mm-hmm. is a team that can definitely win things. No two ways about it. And it's something that I think, when I say G2 need to look at, I don't necessarily mean as a roster, as an organisation. I mean as fans. I mean as us as casters. I mean as the expectations that are on these teams. And they've been together six weeks, eight weeks. You know, mm. it's, it's not a long time. And Liquid, one of the best teams in the world, has taken three, four, five months to get to a point where actually we're back up to speed again here and we're starting to really look like a threat. Um, and Liquid certainly are a threat coming into this major. And this is all happening just after as the world is recovering from being absolutely dominated by LATAM and specifically Brazil throughout. They've had a couple of months off and now they're back and ready to go again, basically. Yeah, which honestly, (laughs) the recovery phase is quite good for Brazil, for LATAM in general. Now, W7M is the second team, someone who used to cast GDN and Volps, for example, on teams that were nowhere near as successful as we see W7M being right now. 
I'm kind of wondering, they really came out of the woodwork, out of out of absolutely nowhere. I mean, their coach is a proud player that used to compete back in the day on teams that we didn't see would actually qualify to a pro league or any of that in the day. And here they are topping Brazil and number two in Copa Leagues. It's the dawn of the 18-year-old gunner, I think, these days. We're seeing it around <laughs> it the world, lot, right? I mean, like over even over like APAC like North as well, which we'll talk about in a bit. It's a similar story with like Mephi on T1 that I spoke about before. There's just a lot of young gunners that are coming through and are just setting the scoreboards alight. Like it's unbelievable. And you've seen that with like Volts on the team of W7M as well. Like he has destroyed teams single-handedly with players that people look at and go, ah, oh, some of the greatest the region, if not the world, will ever see. And then here's this younger kid coming in and literally gunning everyone down. It's unbelievable. And for W7M, it's not just about him, sure. The pickups all come in together looked a bit like not not so much like fracture but they didn't always necessarily make sense when you look at them logically but what it's done together is pull a real magical unit into place i think that many teams are just really struggling to be able to find an answer to okay and then uh, furia we got right after and it's been pardon the pun a miracle uh, <laughs> and my, a bit Terrible. of a fantasy for furia themselves another one uh, a rare achievement i think not Oh, that's pretty handy of you. Can, can we just stop? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any stakes in this? And oh, we've, unbelievable. We've, we've done it all. We've done it. It's, I've sent you on a t pure twister now at the end of it. Uh, as, as we move through, nice. it's wordplay. Uh, Furia continue on sneaking through. We used to talk about MIBR in the day that there were this team that kind of snuck through in Brazil. And now it's Furia that actually continued to make it. Now, Fantasy, I, I'm kind of surprised because this is an, an excellent player's uh, excellent player. Yeah, we talked about him, yada yada. But fantasy sometimes will go and you know drop 20 kills, no problem. Mm -hmm. And then another game, he'll drop 15 kills in the first five rounds and then not exist at all for the rest of the game. Yeah, I think on defense is where he really finds himself shining because mm. he's the one who drags that team out on the road. He yep. goes, right, guys, in the current age of the game that we're in, same as W7M, you realize you can't just sit on site and let the attackers come to you, attack a repit, you are likely going to lose a round if they get to execute. So what we've seen Fancy doing throughout the stage, and we saw this on Border very early on, he would get on the vigil and just be out in the map, wasting time, finding kills. He'd have a little bit of support from the midline of his team as well. And it's really given them this really cool identity where, again, Fantasy is still the spear holder. He is the tip of that spear at the very end of it, really being the killing force for his team, but it's still being backed up by the rest of them. My only concern for them is that makes them a little bit readable. You know that mm. Fantasy is the one you are going to find halfway across the map as the first guy you'll have to challenge on the way in. Whereas on some other teams, it could be any mixture of players that you encounter first and foremost. So strong, yes, but a little bit readable, I think is probably how you look at Furia at the moment. This is like OG Liquid where Nesk is the one that's kind of the playmaker. And when teams, for example, like Penta figured it out, it's, it's done. So maybe internationally, that would explain why Furia didn't make it so hot. The thing with Furia, there's two things. The first uh, that I've said before, one of their main characteristics is they don't know when they beat you. They don't care. They can be 6-1 down, they don't care. They'll keep playing every single round and they've got very, very good mental resilience. And I think that comes down to the second point that I'm going to make, which is Twister as a coach. He's got a very clear vision. I'd actually liken him very much to, to you, Murat, to, to Mr. Officer. I think, you know, he's sort of a LATAM equivalent in that we say how Mr. Officer's involved in all these different jobs and, mm -hmm. he's, you know, he's, he's, he's very much hands-on with the team and he's got this vision and that's what he's building very much the same with Twister I remember speaking to Twister two years ago and he was they were facing relegation and he said to me we're going to lift the, the invitational hammer one day and he was facing relegation at that point in time like 
they've had this very clear vision and they've worked towards it and you can see it in the way that they play it's but as you say it can make them a little bit predictable sometimes but it's interesting they've got a very similar timeline and story to w7m they came about at the same time they came into br6 at the same time and honestly the things that I said about Furia, that they've got wins in them, that they, you know, they might be facing relegation, but they're going to be a better team that they've shown us that they have been. I said the same about W7M, but they just never, with Padrin Panico on the team, they just never really managed to deliver it in the way that Furia ended up doing. But it always felt like it was that that ticking time bomb that, that it was going to happen at some point. And here that we are, it's taken a big roster change, but you know they're, they're functioning as an organisation as a team in a similar way to Furia very professionally with a vision in mind and both of them are big big dangers honestly it is a matter of time until you see one of those two teams mark my words now clip it do whatever you want one of those two teams will win a major and it is a matter of time until they do will it be in Charlotte? I'm not too sure um, W7M yet to be proven in best of threes you know there's there could be issues for them that they need to learn from and build from, but one of them will win eventually. Murat, Mr. Officer, you've you've watched from the sidelines over the past year uh, through 2021 as Brazil dominated everything. Now, you never got your shot, but obviously you as a team, Heroic or Kovana, are watching and thinking, okay, what if we went to land? How do we deal with these guys? Uh, yeah, you're Is there right. anything that scares you yeah, now that haven't... you go to Charlotte and you're thinking, oh my God, we could actually be facing like these incredible teams that you just can't really plan for? Hey, to be honest, like I think we came to this point by not thinking so much about others, but mostly about ourselves. But you're right. The only experience we have playing against these guys is when we're warming them up and not when they were at invitational and majors and whatnot and to be honest we're doing pretty decent against them in warm-up i know that that's such a lame thing to say but because it's you know, i can just i can just see a des thing it does des is always one that's like oh you beat them in scrims <laughs> yeah we beat them in scrims no but we're, we're keeping the level at least yeah, yeah? Uh, that's a humble way of, of looking at it and i think uh, so so therefore i don't I, i'm not too scared if there's one team I'm a bit uh, scared of, and I think I speak for the entire team, is that W7M. Uh-huh. These guys, like you said, came from absolutely nowhere. They're the underdogs. Well, they were underdogs at least, uh, much as us, to be honest. And yeah. it's going to be interesting to see if we ever end up against them. I don't think that will happen in the group stage. I don't think so, at least. But if we come past that, it's going to be interesting to see. So that's that's of all, all of the teams, that's the one we're scared of because they're so unpredictable. We don't know much about them. I mean, every other team, you know, we have Anna and Davil on the case there, but for the W7M, uh, yeah. I'll tell you right now. Some crazy, crazy. W7M, they, they might be number one in Brazil, but they're number two in Copa Elite 6, and it's the Copa Elite 6 standings that matter for the seeding in group stage. So technically, because you're number one in Europe, W7M being second, you might actually go up against them. At this point, we don't know what the groups are, but the potential is there. Oh, is it actually? I didn't know, I didn't no, know because that. Well, in that the, case... The seeding always happens where like the number one from each uh, region, like they just can't be in the same yeah. group together. So you're, yeah, you won't yeah. face Liquid... But yeah. feeling it now. Oh, the, feeling it now. Oh, yeah, he's scratching. He's scratching. Right. I see yeah, it. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, feel, I can. I can feel it. The junkie. The junkie scratch. <laughs> it, it can genuinely happen. But I, again, we don't hey, know. If if it happens, though, you know, like a unhumble uh, uh, message to them. Like even if we're, you know, a bit afraid of you, you know, we're we're not gonna lose to you. That's for sure. So. 
bring your bring bring your horse powers. You know, it's fine. We have a uh, we have Gorgona. You know, he's uh, more passionate than the whole Brazilian community together. When so the Brazilians meet the Bulgarian, Gucci. right? <laughs> Gucci. <laughs> no, but uh, I think I think it's a fine line between being afraid and having respect. Mm, true. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we have respect for them because. Yeah, they're they're so unpredictable at this point. So it's going to be interesting. To I see. think uh, Brazil would respond. Yeah. You know, you're talking about bring your horses. They'll tell you Mirata Cavala, as they always go around. It's kind of leftover from Zig's old days, where you know what we're we're ready for you. We're we're the we're the you know prime breed horses in this one. So honestly, I would be excited yeah. no matter and, what. Uh, just go a, ahead. just a quick comment on that. Like obviously, Latam has been really good lately, and props to that. Like they really deserve it. But here's the thing: I learned something from my brother Alemo. So there's a thing that they say in Brazil, that's life snake. <laughs> the first time I heard it, I was like, what yes. the hell is that? What is that? But that literally means like bad karma. So uh, to all my Brazilian fans and whatnot out there, life snake, we're coming for you. <laughs> okay, so, there it is. That's Love just it. so just so that that's is all said. I needed to see. And uh, finally, our last region is Asia Pacific, which for the first time in quite a while, it's actually heavily dominated by mm -hmm. APAC South, our oh. sister region, because we work <laughs> APAC North and we think, oh my God, what's going on? Okay, Damon Kia lost to Cyclops in the qualifiers. It, it you know, it, it'll be fine, but at the same time, it's not because now DK are eliminated. It's not okay. They're, okay, <laughs> they got eliminated by by Chiefs. You know, when, this is when you say when you say GG, but actually it was BG. You know, like, that's exactly is, it. This is exactly the moment. You got Cyclops, the Wolves, so Dire Wolves, Elevate, and Chiefs in there. Three out of the four teams coming from APAC South, and I know our colleagues in APAC South. You know, shout out to to James and the crew. Yeah, they they're really doing well. We got our our tight team and elevate. We got Cyclops coming from APAC North as well. Of course, Chiefs from Australia, mm. and it'll be good to see the the region competing again because it's been a while since we've seen APAC South in big competition. Not since the days that APAC was one singular region in the Pro mm. League era. Yeah. I'm quite excited about it because, I mean, obviously I'm a little bit gutted that particularly Dan Wonkia haven't made it. Yeah. I'm a big Dan Wonkia fan. Korean fans are living. You know, I've really tried to to sort of push the Dan Wonkia hype train, but, you know, I've had to come to terms with that. Cyclops have been, in honesty, probably one of our least consistent teams in APAC North, if anybody's wondering what to expect out of them. Mm -hmm. We always know to expect the unexpected from Cyclops, and I think that's why teams don't like playing them at majors, because you never know what you're going to get. But for me, having three APAC South teams there is great because it seems that you know as much as I watch the games it's you're just a little bit less familiar you're not like casting them you're not breaking them down necessarily week to week so yeah seeing you know Direwolves Elevate and Chiefs some new names some new blood there some of them have been before Arts. some of them you know less familiar I think it's fantastic it's brilliant it's new blood in the sense that these are teams that haven't really seen international play, yeah. but the players themselves have been around for oh, yeah. quite a while competing within the region it's just an unusual state of situation where we've seen three teams from APAC South. Like in the past, you wouldn't have expected like Dire Wolves to make it through. Mm -mm. Definitely not. That's definitely a, a surprise for a lot of people, especially given that they beat Talon. You know that 
especially after Talon beat Chiefs. Unbeaten in APAC South, though. Yeah. Unbeaten in exactly. APAC South. This is what gets me, and I don't know if many will remember back to APAC North 18 months ago when we had a team that went from being called Seventh Heaven to being called Electrify. Most of the members on this Direwolves team were on that team. True. And this is not at all an understatement. They were terrible. Absolutely they, horrendous. They were bottom two consistently. They were basically a free win to every team that played them. Sure, they'd have the occasional game where a player would go even and get a few kills, but they never really came close to winning. So to now see this team be undefeated in a region and be going to a major like in dominant fashion is unbelievable. Honestly, unbelievable. And he sat them up against Elevate, who we saw Super Onigiri at the recent event as well, dropping what, 27 kills, matching the single kill record, playing on the MK14. What a guy, by the way. True. They've got some real good players in this region and some surprises, I think, that are going to catch a lot of teams off guard because, like Tim said, you haven't seen a lot of these teams before. You haven't seen a lot of these players. People don't know what to expect. Well, you look at stuff like that with Onigiri and you look at it and you say, can they rely on that? Absolutely not. Yes, they can. But, but, <laughs> no, what, I, <laughs> what I'd extend to say... He does his daily prayers. He what, knows what he's what doing. What I would extend to say is, can they rely on it? Absolutely not. Will it happen again? Yes. Maybe. 100%. No, you know, yes, that, that's the reality is that, no, they can't rely on it, but we know that there are a number of players in those lineups that are capable mm. of those sorts of numbers, those sorts of, you know, performances inside of the games on the big stage. And I am telling you now, again, there will be surprises that will come out of APAC at Charlotte. Fact. I just um, love that Cyclops are still there because they are like they, are, they are the throwing of the cat amongst the pigeons. It's like yeah, they are. teams are like right, ready for a good serious tournament here, guys. It's going to be really on point siege. We're familiar with this. We know what we're coming up against. And, and then, then they Cyclops. take Cyclops the cafe. And what a mistake that <laughs> turned out to be. Every window's getting jumped out of. They don't care. They're off site. All five of them. They're an absolute nightmare to play against. And no team enjoys playing versus them because you just don't know what to expect coming into a map. So I'm quite liking that actually they're at eight back north. Oh, I don't mind. Remember two months ago when he came. And we're like, wow, Cyclops really suck this stage. And mm -hmm. then here they are doing the wild stuff, jumping out a window. They're LFO. They're the APAC LFO. They're just so inconsistent. And then some. Yeah, they're just <laughs> yeah, actually they just take inconsistency to another level. You just I've said this throughout APAC North Stage. Like you just don't know which Cyclops are gonna turn up. Yep. You, you really yep. don't at the minute. They're either world beaters or they're gonna just roll over. It's it's I mean, it's weird, but against elevate in the bracket, they absolutely yes, one. I, I just have a question, because obviously I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that I've uh, been watching so much APAC, because I haven't to be completely not APAC honest. You know, Do you watch APAC respect, North? But you know. I'm not starting my preparation before like this week. So, but when that is said, if I can ask you guys, like I remember from back in the days as well, APAC has always been, you know, the region that is like so unpredictable and they, you know, not all, all, always run the meta and whatnot. Like, would you say they're a bit the same still? Or is it the... I, no. think they've settled, they I think they've settled a lot bit? in the last 18 months. 18 months ago, I'd agree with you that the game plan was get chaotic, get out in the map, take gunfights, disrupt, 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 sure. Yeah. I think now, especially Dan Wonkier, have kind of ushered in this new age in APAT North where actually being that structure-composed team is the way to play. Teams like Sandbox, for example, will very commonly run like a dual roamer setup with a man sporting in the middle and just pull back halfway through the round. It's like clockwork now. Yeah. Whereas 18 months ago, you just would not have seen that be a thing. So although the region is still in and yeah. a good number of teams got some work to do 
I think those that you're seeing go into majors now in the top two, top three of the uh, sub-regional leagues as well are much more with it than what they would have been 18 months ago. They're playing much more what I would term international siege. Yeah. Rather than the crazy APAC, oh, you know, they've brought the Hibana shotgun. You know, yeah. we're not seeing that now. They're looking at teams like TSM. They're looking at teams like Heroic BDS. They're looking at NIP. What are these guys doing? Why is it working? Why are they winning? And they're replicating it. I'm not saying they're copying it, but mm. they're factoring it in and they're playing that more record recognizable international siege and guess what they're doing it really well yeah. i think that's such a normal thing though like same with us like early on we were also looking a lot at uh, the old empire obviously uh, and uh, looking at how they played because they were so consistent in everything they did and they didn't give a mm -hmm. f about nobody like yeah. they, you knew exactly what they were gonna do but you just you couldn't i loved with it, it. Yeah. so um and that was i remember that so especially on consulate back in the days as well like jesus uh, you knew they were coming at me everyone knew but you just couldn't stop you just it was impossible i'll, I'll and, tell you um, one thing yeah. though uh, if if an apac team makes it out of the groups which is a big if if we're looking at things right now um and they go to a stage i think even an na crowd will cheer so this is something that not many people have experienced because it's been so long since the last event but the crowd having it on your side it's it, you kick off yeah. genuinely you do and you feel it as a viewer when you're at events you've you felt it yourselves but knowing that for example cyclops making it through or had demon kia made it through uh to the major maybe oh. played outside of groups they'd have had so much a couple thousand people in north america screaming your name and just going wild that yeah. really motivates you and i'm just wondering how do you prepare for that as a team because it's it's something that you can't even factor into how do you objectively account for the impact of an audience that you haven't had for ages now Murad? Uh, I'm not exactly sure how to answer the audience part, but uh, one of the things that we work with closely in this team, uh, even if it comes out a little funny, is we try to normalize situations. You scream so at them the entire day just to help thing, it out. Right? <laughs> no, not like that, but I'll, I'll give you a good example. Like I'm, I'm a bit unorthodox in my, my coaching, that's for mm -hmm. sure. But um, I try to normalize situations. So if there's something that is a bit typical cringy for a young player or whatever, I try to do it as much as possible until it becomes a normal thing. So we even talk about, and I'm not even kidding, I'm not going to mention names to save his face, but we even talk about certain things like, hey, how will you react if uh, a fan comes to you and says like, hey, you know, bang, you know, give me an autograph on my on my breast, for example, <laughs> right? And Des it, won't do that, we promise. Like a, <laughs> you can promise whatever you want, mate. I ain't guaranteeing like, nothing. No, no, but if you think oh, no, about it, it's, 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 it's nothing people talk about. You right? should, in my but opinion. That, but shit like that happens. Yep. It really does. And if you get like completely froze by that situation, that can impact you in your game later as well, going and thinking about that and whatnot. So that was just one example, obviously. So we talk about possible situations that might happen, that the boys haven't experienced and whatnot. And put them through like a mindset of like, okay, how do you think you will handle it? And then it has to be shown how you will handle it. That's another story. But so the same with the audience, yep. right? We we try to, it's not like we we gather the whole heroic family in a, in a room where everyone is like, yeah, when they're playing and try to replicate it. It's just a mental journey of like, hey, it's going to be a lot of noise. It's going to be a lot of people. Maybe you hear your name. You know, will you be happy? Will it stress you and whatnot? And just take them through that mental mm -hmm. journey. I think that is a 
good preparation for situations like that. But honestly, ah, I think it's, you know, I, I envy the boys for this. I really want them to experience that. They deserve mm-hmm. it. So for us, we look at that as a privilege instead of a hindrance. Yeah, it's, it's something, given the fact that it's been almost two and a half years since the last audience event, any team will struggle with oh that. yeah no matter like even if you're looking at ssg that that have played in the last you know event uh, like everybody's gonna struggle most of the teams that have made it through have never had an audience in in front of them so it's gonna get shaky and mm-hmm. that's gonna be part of handling a lan environment uh we talked to omerta and m&m at invitational saying yo you guys, you know, you have to wake up in the morning, you have your prep, your your event, all of that. And you have to get into this certain mindset as a team that you're there to compete. So you're prepping your sleep schedule for it, your, your schedule for practice, your chat with the team, all of that. Mm. You have a very strict regimen to follow when you're on land in preparation for it. And it's a similar thing for us as also as talent when we're there because you know, you're there, you're working, you're focused. It's not, I'm at home and I have a bit more flexibility. It's much the same for us. We haven't cast an audience yet. So I'm actually going to take a leaf out of your book, Morat, and start going to Tim. Tim, sign these! <laughs> and just see what he starts doing <laughs> to get him prepped and ready. Because that would usually happen. If I was a fan, Tim, I'll be coming up to you and doing that. <laughs> I don't know. But... We have to stress about that whenever we walk around Paris, though. Like somebody just comes up, is like, oh my God, it's Tim. It's Big Tim. It's Ace of Pyrite. <laughs> just go. They just shout across the chance of the man. Big Tim! Yeah. I, so I think I saw a big tip, big tip, big tip. There, there was one guy at some point. I think he was in uh, um, Big Peugeot or Renault. I don't know, remember what what sort of car brand it was. Definitely French, though. I think his name was Emmanuel or something, and he was just screaming at the top of his lungs, like, "Yo, it's Tim, my favorite caster. Please, can I sign? I'm on my way home." And I asked him, "Where do you live?" "I live in Versailles." He's like, "Whoa, really? That's a nice place to live." Turns out. Family name? Macron. Wouldn't believe it. Not a big thing. <laughs> Honestly, president of France, big friend big of uh, Ace Pyrite. There we I go. Where that was going then? <laughs> of Very course, good. president of France, yeah. big fan. Everyone's a big. We, fan. we do a live in. Team. We do live for for at least the leagues themselves in Paris mm. during the the stages. So not surprised. There you go. Everybody's a fan. Yeah. Tim. He's got his number as well. Got WhatsApp to him. It's not a big thing. No, don't want to talk oh. about it. <laughs> you just solve all the world's problems. Tim, what would we do? What would we do without you? Well, 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 Murat. With all of this kind of uh, winding down in our esports news segment, um, honestly, any any surprises that you think you'll see at the Charlotte Major? Surprises yeah. in general, not outside not of heroic. the big hug from me and Tim. But maybe that's not a surprise. That shouldn't be a surprise. You going? Maybe. Oh boy, Here I'll be there as a fan, regardless, mate. Don't uh, you worry. Exactly. I need to hug Morat. Look at him. Can you repeat? Can you repeat the question in terms of what kind of like, surprise? What, what surprise? I didn't. What understand. do you expect? Surprise was like maybe teams that would would make it through surprise everybody and make it deep into the tournament. Uh, maybe some oh. reactions, all of that from the event itself. Because at this point, everybody's forgotten what LAN is like. Yeah, I think uh, uh, <laughs> the biggest uh, the biggest surprise is, uh, and you heard it first here. I think EU will once and for all F finally uh, make it uh, together as a region way longer than we have done in a while. So I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah, just mark my words. Okay. I think the uh, world ain't uh, ready for that. 
I don't think he was ready for that. I don't think he. I think the the region thing maybe not. You guys possibly. So you've got a lot of weight on your shoulders, Murat. No pressure. Yeah, but I think you know, like take Team One for example. You know, they lost their best player, Alamau. Hey, shout out. So I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Just wait and see. Mark my words. Mark my words. I think you is gonna pop off uh, pretty good uh, Can together. we clip that as and well? I, think I look forward to it. Our six events. I look forward uh, to it. If you're watching, uh, please, thank you very much. Can we get a clip for that? Uh, clip it and ship it for all the clip <laughs> andies out there. Uh, we kind of need it right now. So thanks so much, Murat. This is kind of our esports news segment yeah. of our Prep Phase podcast. So thank you very much for being our first guest ever. Uh, not going to lie. I think uh, the pleasure was all yours. And uh, good friend of the show, good friend of the sh- <laughs> good friend of the show, Murat. So, good luck at the Charlotte Major, and I hope it'll be a good time for you and the team. Uh, a lot of the players probably this is their first time traveling to an event or seeing something like this. So, I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. And we'll, no pressure. Uh, we'll you kind of have to win, or else you're, you region. won't be allowed in the league for next stage. But that's just between you and me. Well, we we wouldn't. Uh... We wouldn't work as hard as we do if we didn't want to win. So uh, we're going to do our best for Right sure. answer. Represent EU in a good fashion. Get us into the map again. It's important. There you go. There you go. Well, Murat, thank you again. And uh, it's time for us to move on to our next segment, which is, as we call, Reddit droning. Again, this is our pilot uh, episode, so we're going to try out our format of here's the different ideas that we have and topics that we want to talk about. And this is the part where we talk about the topics that you wanted to talk about because our good friend, a uh, friend of the show, uh, Ace of Pyrites, we also, <laughs> Tim Lieber, has, uh, has made, no, I, I'm a Tim foe on here, not, not, a, not an ally whatsoever. He's, he's made it on the subreddit. And he's asked, look, do you guys any have any questions or any topics that you'd like us to uh, talk about? And we kind of looked at it over the past few days. Big stuff. First up, I think we have to mention it. Our good friend, our colleague, Ms. Emmy Donaldson. Emmy Donaldson? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Captain Fluke? Mm-hmm. Gaming Awards winner. There we go. Hopefully, we'll have uh, Emmy on well the Face podcast mm-hmm. in the next few weeks, or obviously in next stage or something as, uh, like that, because we'd like to talk to her about uh, you know the trajectory and mm. uh, the whole the whole situation we're in. So, congratulations to Emma. We're very proud of her for what she's doing, and very proud of her to have her as our colleague. But Tim, now on to the subjects. Uh, I'm just going to list out um, a couple comments. We'll mm-hmm. start out one by one. Okay. Uh, Mr. Bandit Main, who is an SSG fan, I'm so sorry. <laughs> My condolences. My condolences. Are you okay? It, it seems like uh, SSG fans that just joined in as SSG fans were DC fans back in the day, but they swapped over to being SSG fans. So, so sorry for it. But he's saying, um, or they're saying, BR better than NA which is way superior than EU, which is kind of equal to APAC. And the big thing is, in my opinion, if you can manage to use attacker repick well, you'll fare much better than if you neglect it. Nice words. Yeah, I mean, I think region-wise, I would possibly agree. I'm not sure I'm how... Not sit on the fence about it. Come on! I hard agree. I actually think he's got... 100%. 100%. No, the only sucks. thing that I was going to say is I'm not sure... 
Obviously, we've seen NA have a good performance at the Invitational with TSM winning it. I'm honestly not sure how well they're going to do at this major. As a collective region, though, yes. I think that assessment's right. I think that they may be... If we're looking at a scale where we're saying we've got LATAM and NA and then EU and APAC, I'd maybe slide NA down this way a little yeah. bit and say they're a little bit closer to EU and APAC and that LATAM, I think we're going to see a little bit of superiority from them again. Um, but overall, yeah, I think you're probably not a million miles away, Mr. Bandit, man. Um, in terms of attacker repick, that's an interesting one because have we seen it have a huge impact on the games, you know, I don't think we have overall. I think it has an impact. I don't think, you know, that teams are necessarily coming out and getting free rounds because of it. There's obviously the Ying thing. I know mm -hmm. Des is putting his finger up. I'm not even going to talk about that. He's not in Ying, that's good. <laughs> no. there's, there's obviously the Ying element whereby best. we've had them sort of cheese players where teams will just flip to a Ying line out and they'll get themselves Far around. Room, so on. Yeah, and it is attracting more warden picks for that reason. You're having warden picked up just as preempting it to, you know, put teams off from doing it. So it is impacting on the lineups. Do I think it's like absolutely shaping games at this point? Or is it going to shape games at the major? No, I think it's an important tool. I think it's something on particular maps, Clubhouse, I think it's very effective on. Um, but yeah, I think it will have an impact. Do I think it will completely shape the winners and losers? No, I don't think it will. I'm kind of in disagreement because I feel what everyone looks for when they think of attacker repick is they think about these big flashy comps, right? Bringing along the Amaru, the Ying, things like that. The things that completely transform how a round is played. They cheese the team and it's like, oh my God, they've used attacker repick so well. The strength in attacker repick is in the minutiae, I think, where you're changing over and bringing a certain soft breacher or you're changing to bring along a lion or you spot that you're on a different site so you change a couple of operators. Maybe your hard breacher changes from an ace to a Habana instead. And those things look really insignificant, like it's hard breach for hard breach. Who the hell cares, right? No. Often what it is coming down to is on most maps, in the old way of playing it, you have to run the same lineup through the whole attack in half. And it's kind of a, not perfect for any site, but it does the job that you need across all sites because you don't strictly know where you're going. Mm. Whereas now, you can change out the hard breacher. You can change what soft breacher you're bringing. You can bring along a couple of claymores here and there if you want to, like we saw from Heroic just yesterday, actually. Think mm, about yeah. them bringing four claymores and a Nomad, right? True. You look at it at the time and think, hmm, not really a big deal. They're just playing a pretty standard lineup, sure. But for the site and the specific changes they've made, it is a massive deal in terms of how that round then plays out. It's small changes. And this is what makes it difficult for us to quantify the impact of attacker repick. And I think people in general is that a singular operator change might not feel like it's a massive swap, but when it comes to how that operator is positioned, who is playing that operator is also something that you just cannot objectively measure. Mm. That impact is something that teams, if they were to exploit it properly, but that's a big if, and it's a moment, and also has to do with their opponents also making a mistake on the defense yeah. and being capitalized upon. There's so many moving parts and variables that it's, in my opinion, not impossible to I mean, quantify. Look at Heroic yesterday. In round one, they had Gorgona playing on the sledge, and I commented saying, oh, it's kind of weird, actually, because, you know, Benja has been there, soft breacher, he stole that role away. Gorgona was playing sledge. I think, actually, it was in round three. But back in round one, it was Benja playing on it. So mm -hmm. they've changed round who's playing what in what round based on the needs of what they want to run with that comp. Again, you're not going to see teams risking that if they don't know what site they're attacking into in round one. Yeah. Because with attacker repeat, you have that level of flexibility. So it's not just about the operators, it's also what ops are what players playing. So there's an extra layer of depth beyond just the ops. It's also what are the players playing in a given situation as well that's really interesting. 
You know that I love a good stat, and we haven't seen any stats on it yet. And that's something I some that I would love well. to see some stats. It's maybe something that could be done over the major, um, because it'll be a reasonable sample size yeah. of rounds. Whereby, and I think the way it needs to be broken down is one attacker repicked, two attackers repicked, three attack. You know, I think it needs to be recorded in that way. How many rounds have three attackers been repicked, and then what's the win percentage for the attacking team? Mm. And, and then I guess one what composition? Yeah, what you know, site, I'd like to. Now. I'd like to see that and say, right, you know, where we have, you know, one attacker repick is actually really effective, whereas a five attacker repick is barely ever winning a round. Or, you know, that sort of thing. It'd be really interesting to see. Yeah, definitely. The, trying to quantify it is genuinely a full-time job for multiple people. Yeah. Uh, 100%. There's a, there's a lot of depth. I love taking depth, down my live stats, but I am not a t- t- tracking 10 no. to 20 there operators is no per way. round no. and change. You need it's a professional it. statistician and a team yeah. of them to like track everything via API and then extract the data to then correlate the multiple variables because there's like a dozen variables that you have to talk about in here yeah. Yeah. and then individually lay them out and that will change from game to game and from team to team and suddenly it's just... It's heavy. It's heavy. It, it, is, really it is. It is. It's, but to to truly understand the impact that it has do at it. face value, like I say, I don't think that necessarily you know that many rounds are completely won or lost during that stage. True. Is it a tool that the attackers can use to their advantage? One hundred percent. Absolutely. I I have mad respect for the statisticians out there. Uh, Spurbuni being a big one of them. Mm-hmm. Here, shout out to him mm-hmm. and the community that helps a lot of the talent, whatever region it may be, in kind of predicting certain games and getting certain information uh, that is oh so valuable for our job. Now, Mm. our next piece, which is to English Beat 90. Uh, Shout out to all the English folk out there. So sorry you live in England. Uh, Liquid have both world-class form and experience. No other team can say this. They should be heavy favorites for this tourney and any events they intend later in the year after getting over the heartbreak of seeing my two favorite players dropped ask and resets have been a joy to watch which frankly it's been echoed quite well i personally wouldn't say that we have to see liquid as kind of a top contender through the entire year uh, you would have been able to say something like that to Navi in a you know we've, a year ago, but we're not here. We've spoken about this before. You know, a dynasty, a dominant team within Siege is not winning every tournament anymore. No. Yeah, my uh, my honest you know measure of of dominance within a Siege year now is winning two tournaments. If you win the Invitational in a major or you win two of the majors, I would say that you have been pretty dominant within that year in reality Um, so yeah I think if Liquid can come out and have a good performance here and then they can maybe look towards the rest of the year to say Mm -hmm. can we pick up a second somewhere then yeah it's going to be a very very good year for Liquid the big question at the minute is ask and resets we've seen them go to one land they performed better than expected um, but there were still some cracks there you know when they lost the games they lost them quite badly Um, so I think there was still work to be done whether that was down to maybe a little bit of nerves a little bit of inexperience but they're against they're they're alongside Paolo and Nesk. They've got two of the best in the world, two of the most experienced in the world to help them get up to speed with that. Look, you, you as as the kind of thread itself was saying, uh, are you asking us to do your job uh, to you, Tim? It's like, well, you know what? It's the analysts that do the job anyways, just the caster that take it. So I'll ask you, uh, Derry specifically in this case, how do you quantify what ask and resets do? And how do you say, well, they're definitely going to be impactful in this tournament because looking at Brazil and Latam in general the past well existence since its inception as a region within the pro league system mm. 
they've come in and seeing a team playing regionally is a completely different beast than playing internationally. How can you even quantify it now? I think in a way it plays into an issue that I think Siege has had for a long time in terms of how we view the pro scene is you look at big names and all the attention gets piled on them, right? Like yep. at this team, no one's really talking about Ask and Resets. They're all talking about Ness. They're all talking about Palu. And Palu, rightly so, is to many considered to be the best player in the world, was voted as such as well in CCG. Yep. You know, honestly, a phenomenal player. Resets though, I remember having some really big games on Zofia at the last competition. Like one map, I think he dropped like 18 kills or something ludicrous. Like they're not bad players, but the issue they'll always face is they'll always kind of be seen as secondary to Nesk and Palu. It's their story. Like Tim once said, can you imagine a world where Nesk and Palu don't win a six invitational? Like. That's ludicrous. That the best player in the world, and arguably another top three player in Nesk, who, by the way, this week just Check hit 4,000 career kills. <laughs> you know, they are two of the best players in the world. And again, all the attention will be on them. So it's not at all to say that, you know, Asken resets are background, they're filler, they're just holding a spot on the team. They are clearly very good and able to provide as well. But do I think they're the be-all and end-all for this team? Not really. All the attention will be on that front line. Okay. Uh, hot take from WTR4444. Uh, uh, nice reference right there, my friend. Uh, I don't think any of the first place teams from each region will make a top four of the event. This was a really interesting one. I picked this one out because I thought that that's quite a big shout, really. When we look at the top four teams, Astralis, I think it's maybe a fair point to make. They're unproven online. I'm not saying they're not going to do it. Please don't get in my DMs. But I think they're a really unproven factor. As the same for W7M, we don't necessarily... I mean, do you argue that they're the top team or that Liquid are the top team? Liquid won the Copper Elite 6, so... Um, well, they beat WCNM 4-1 They did beat, well. yeah, they did. So, you know, I don't know who you argue is, you know, if you're looking at seeding or you're looking at the actual league stage where W7M yeah. topped. Um, but either way, you know, you look at those, you've then got Heroic, Unproven again. This is the thing. There's all these unproven teams that are coming out on top. We don't know who is, um, because of the, the mix between APAC North and South, we don't know necessarily who's topped the playoffs as of yet. It's not yeah, finished yeah. Well, as of when we're recording this, but Dire Wolves being the top of APAC South, South puts them as the top team if we're looking in league standings again unproven we don't know necessarily what we're going to get and so I think this yeah. is actually a really good shout we could have four teams there that have topped their individual leagues that actually get to land and it's it's welcome to big school it's a wake-up time that's exactly and I was going to say much the same there are so many factors that change and you know really league play should be viewed as a guide if nothing yes. else yeah. one you're playing online rather than in LAN two the players are all playing in front of a crowd which is massive in itself yeah. three for some players this does really affect them you're not playing on your natural setup you're very used to your perfect desk at home. Well, I mean, we've seen users. Mat. You know what he's like with his tape measure, mate. He loves it. You're not playing on your own monitor. Like, lots of things change, and some players just cannot deliver. And I remember very distinctly a game that I used to cast before this one. I won't go into the name, whatever. Um, there was a player that was, like, considered the best in Europe in scrims. Like, would slap everyone for fun. No one could come close to him. Got into officials, worst player in the competition. He just could not handle the pressure. So it's not just your setup, it's also the mental space that you're in. It's not your bedroom, it's not a little side room that you've got allocated out in the house, for example. It is a completely different environment. So sure, you might be playing just fine in league play, and I'd argue maybe NA are best positioned to see some consistency, yeah. given they play on land as well. But still a lot changes when you're having to travel somewhere, when you're not on your home setup anymore. It's a lot of unfamiliarity. So I actually think that, yeah, maybe actually there's a good chance those top four yeah. teams, they aren't the ones that get to the final four. And the, another hot take is Dark Zero's NA's best hope. Now, <laughs> what? Yeah, honestly, that, that is... Now, okay, if, whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa. Yeah, hot takes, cool it down. <laughs> this is nuclear level take. Uh, Dark Zero, NA's best hope. Okay, I'm... 
I, I, there's no way I can agree with this. OXG, uh, OXG, you want a word? <laughs> yeah, OXG, you want a word, number one. And honestly, Dark Zero, ever since the first LAN event that they qualified for, like realistically looking at Pro League Finals in Japan, in you know way older fashion mm. up until now, Dark Zero always seen as the team that they might make it to a LAN, but when the pressure is on, they'll almost always falter. And that's the problem. Yeah, you it's gave like them. Yes, in a way. Yeah, you, you gave them up. You know, a couple seasons to rest up, a couple years, and now it's been too long. For how long will you keep keep it up, believing in it? We did the same with LFO and their vitality in the past. Yeah, there is a point where, from from a purely numbers game, you're supposed to say no. Now it's on you to actually prove it, rather than I'm just going to keep making excuses for you. Yeah, I mean, looking. <laughs> NAL as a whole don't write off Exit either. I agree. Um, honestly. And the reason that I say that, really. they've got Kino there, who we know is is a quality player. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I'm looking at Bodega, and Bodega knows what this is all about. So when we look at the teams that are unproven at lands, unproven in those environments, you look towards the coach because they're the ones that prepare the team for the environment, as we've yep. just, you know, um, we've discussed. And so Bodega's going to be coming in there with a lot of experience for that team. He's going to impart a lot of wisdom, learn from previous. He'll be events. the best chili to think about him screen behind you. You'd be so pumped and gassed going into that we've, game. We've all seen, Oof. we've all seen how Bodega is at tournaments. He will fight for his team every inch that he can as a coach. And so, yeah, absolutely, don't write off except They might be unproven. They might be not knowing necessarily what to expect but Bodega will have them prepped. So I think, I'm not sure Dark Zero is the best hope. I think there's certainly some other some other. I will give them some credit. They're a little bit more open than they were before as a team. True. I feel like their kind of clash as to who's playing entry. Is it, is it Hyper? Is it NJR? They've sort of started to figure that out as well. The team is starting to solve the problems that it identified, I think, nine months ago. Yeah. And we did say at the time when they'd just come together, okay, you're at the next major. You need more than a few months to really start pulling yeah. things together. You've now had that kind of like at least six month window together where you were expected to have things figured out. We said much the same about uh, BDS as well, you know, coming into SI, all kinds of circumstances around that, but they'd had bias with them since Mexico. That was about the time you wanted to see them kind of get things right. I feel for DZ, this is also that kind of like ring of the bell. Yep. Is now your time to get it right. I mean, you talked about Palu as a top player, NJR and Pambazoo. A lot of people look at them and think, oh my God, these guys are excellent. There is a lot of quality. There's a, the so, much, wrong. so much talent on Dark Zero, but it's all working together is the big question that yeah. people always have on their mind. Yaka is a player that some will talk about in Xset also and you know how everything New is on OXG. No is on OXG, exactly. He's gonna light that scoreboard up by so many teams. You see you see the the people we're talking about and a lot of the teams that we're looking at, three players have played in the the pre and leading up to SI twenty twenty era. And then one to two players on average in that case, one to two players will be from the post 2020 era. And I, I don't just take it there as SI 2020, uh, COVID and all, but also it was a big inflection point. This was a moment for adaptation for teams because now you're playing online, you're playing in a different uh, system globally and you had to adapt. Mm. And part of the adaptation is adding a lot of new talent that makes up a quarter to a third, even a bit more, up to 40% of the talent that is playing at the major. If that's not a big shift, the last time we had a big shift like this, we're talking year one players being phased out 
into 2018-19. The future is now. The man. future is now, and it's been three years in the making. Yep, agree. And this is the time to start seeing it. Realistically, mm. this this is the time. Yep. This is the big tournament. This is the start. future. Yeah, this of, is it now. This is the future of Rainbow Six. The future of Rainbow Six talent as players and as coaches, support staff, all of that. Mm -hmm. 2022 is a rebirth. The mm. fact that we go to events where there's an audience, that's a huge, huge, huge shakeup. Yep. Yep. Number one, glad we're coming back to that, of course. Number two, new talent, new blood that actually get to show themselves off in the legitimate uh, kind of space yep. for it and earn their marks and possibly phasing out a lot of the old guard that would move on to support staff positions or to you know, greener pastures. Yeah, the last time I saw a bunch of 18-year-olds ripping each other apart, it was probably outside a nightclub somewhere, so I'm excited to see it in the server instead. Let's see. What nightclubs do you go to? Trust me. Any in the UK? Trust me. Anywhere in the UK. I'm just ready for it. I honestly think, again, I spoke about it already earlier on, that all these, all the fresh blood we got coming in, a lot of teams are kind of saying, okay, we've got to give them a chance now. You know, like Benja, when he got picked up by True. Heroic. A wonderful yep. example. Look how genius that turned out. And Murat be. isn't here, and you're still talking about Heroic. No, because genuinely, they are the flag bearers for EU, the only team that right now I feel can really deliver. So, yeah, fingers crossed. Everybody else sucks. But across the whole world, in every region, Volps, of course, he spoke about for W7M, Mephi for T1 across in APAT North, Nua's coming in for OXG. These are the names on everyone's lips. And mm. there's a reason why the teams that are willing to take a risk on these younger players and not just go, ah, oh, they never play in the comps. Set. I sound like Fabian. They don't play in the comp setting. <laughs> they don't know about the game at this level. I can't risk my reputation on that. They'll be the ones that are kicking themselves in six yep. months' time when they're nowhere near a final. Yep. You, you got to give this new talent a shot. And 2022 is very much, and to, to, to go off an EUL on this, this is the Phoenix Rising. I do really sound like Fabian saying that, don't I? That was you, him you literally do. last he, night. He literally last night was talking about that when kind of prepping his stack with fresh... I don't know if they ended up playing... Uh, Ranky after, but knowing Jack, knowing Jack, it possibly happened, or uh, you know, Fresh is on his way home, or has already arrived home instead of sleeping straight on Ranky. Honestly, the, the man has a problem. Um, <laughs> we need to help and, him, and its its name is Fabian. Um, <laughs> so there you go. Did you know he mandated that it had to change from the Fresh and Friends stack to the Fresh Fabian and Friends stack? I'm actually surprised that Fabian agreed to keep Fresh's name in it. <laughs> I mean, true. Come true. on, very true. true, very true. We love you, Fabian, but very true. Yeah, he uh, he can't be. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of a diva when it comes to it. Uh, yeah. So that was our Reddit droning segment. What we'd like to do more of this in the future, and we had this mm. planned over the past you know, few weeks. Uh, we wanted to really like take hot tweets on the TL. Like we were scanning it uh, last night in the morning, seeing like, okay, is there really going to be something like worthwhile to talk about? Didn't seem like it. But in the future, want to do more of that. Uh, we need to get like a hashtag. I mean, not even a hashtag, but like seeing, okay. And then we could just the search it. Penguin Prano going off, or mostly Prano going off <laughs> on his Prano own. Prano getting spanked by a penguin, you mean? True, true. Which, uh, to be honest, I I wouldn't mind that. Uh, so that would be something to um, look into really? in the future if we had more of it. I mean, you've seen his hands. Anyways, um, <laughs> that's something that we can, we definitely want to look into in the future. It's just unfortunate timing wise. Mm. We want to keep, you know, get the fresh stuff. But thank because, you, everybody that did contribute. Yeah. yeah. 
very yeah, much. Thank you very thank much. Thank you very much. And hopefully we're posting more of that in the future. We'll be having, of course, a variety of guests on. So it can be pro players, teams and all of that, but also talent from different regions. It can also be, um, you know, community members that mm, because yeah. as, as we kind of go deeper and deeper into all of this, it, it, it will try to echo the SI vibe or the major vibes that we had in the past, which is always the event is not just about the esports; it's about the community. It's bringing people in from these different 100%. phases that talk about their experiences. And now that events are opening up to the public, there's going to be so many stories that talk about, you know, where oh yeah, we all took an Airbnb together, and here's the story that happened. This is the sort of stuff that I, I live for, that I loved back in the day, and I can't wait to see more of it coming up. Of course as the first episode of the prep phase podcast um we got to work with what we got so thank you very much again as we'll continue saying it to predator gaming that help us out in sending all of this here in uh, paris to talk about the updates on the game that was reading reddit droning uh we'll we'll talk about that in kind of the future what future topics we'll have probably after the major on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns